Example of truthfulness coming along and saying, Okay, so like the first time I found out about something like climate change, uh-huh. right? Came along and said, No, no, you like going on it, you can't, you can't do that anymore, yeah. you know, in the sort of um, uh, any way that you used to. Mm. You know, you have to change your life. Mm. That, you know, it says, Okay, now you've got to start making more choices about what you buy and what you mm. eat, and how you act, and how you spend your time. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't mind, it doesn't, it doesn't really care about what mm. you mm-hmm. It just says, No, that's, that's what's going to happen. Mm. I suppose similarly to sort of, um, yeah, there's some kind of inside meditation, you know, there's a kind of, there's a sort of, well, this is just, this is the way it's progressing now, and you can yield to that. Yeah, this is what's happening in the moment, and you yield to Um, that. I'm not sure about that, actually. But there's a a kind of... You're not sure what you mean, or...? really important. Um, I'd say maybe two things now. Um, could, everyone could hear, hear the question. Yeah. So, um, so Annie's Andy saying, you know, sometimes something in, in life um, of it demands demands a response or it needs to be looked at from the perspective of truth you know and and we respond to the reality of that you know and in a way that imposes kind of limits on on our response and what we do and how does that fit in with with what exactly with the, all this imaginal business and yeah I suppose I'm just sort of struggling to orient it as, as that as a kind of like there's always been quite a guiding force yeah like, am I being am I having integrity yeah yeah. Am I, um, you know, so if someone can, another example, <coughs> I used to practice a lot of Zen meditation when yeah. I first started out. Yeah. And then I found out about the whole involvement of the Zen establishment in the Second World War. Yeah. And it just said to me, no, this is not, this is not going to give you that ethical revolution mm-hmm. that you want mm-hmm. yeah. practice. And so I just finally moved on. Yeah. Now that's different for different people. I think one, one piece here is. Um, <coughs> In terms of the imaginal piece, you know, it's something we enter into, and the imaginal, we enter into an imaginal relationship with things where it's not so based on on truth, yeah. Um, but that's a conscious moving in and out of something, to always live um, with with certainly with one imaginal perspective on something. That's a fixation. It's become a, it's become delusion. It's become uh, something that's contracted around, right? So it might be that um, we feel into our life, and there's certain situations or facts or uh, uh, 
you know, continuances of existence that that we can and we can find an imaginal dimension of our relationship to it, and others that are more. It's like there's something about truth, truth here, you know, that, that needs responding to. So we we're not adopting one or the other. We're adopting both and 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 as always, the skill is like when, when do we move? What's possible here? Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. So, but I would also add that, um, and uh, um, I'm talking about this at some point. It's like the truth of climate change. It's not. It's not that one is um, getting into that. That's not real, or you know that that kind of thing. It's real, but um, both your responses to it, uh, and how does the self of Andy? image itself, fantasy itself, in response to climate change. Do, do, do you see what I mean? So, the world burns around the still meditator. And, well, it doesn't work for you, but for some people, that fantasy of imperturbability and transcendence is a fantasy that's a lot... I mean, it has problems, obviously. but um, Or the fantasy of the engaged activist who actually lets his his rage and his uh, forthrightness and his willing to be perturbed and involved and get dirty. Do you understand? In other words, here's the fact of climate change. Around that is is all kinds of fantasies, particularly involved. So there's room for both. Do you see what I mean? And, and part of the question is, and, and then on top of that, there's, um, there's the, the soul resonance and the fantasy of integrity. Well, this came up in the other group yesterday, actually. You know, so for me, integrity, purity—it's really something that's in, in my in my soul. It's, it's something I really resonate to. So there's there's a there's a fantasy level of everything, if you like. That's not the same as just um, not dealing with reality. It's more that uh, there there's a thing, and it, and it can be seen different ways. And myself, it's seen, imaged, fantasized differently in relationship to it. Do, do you understand? Does, does that make sense? So there, there's all kinds of there's, there's all kinds of fantasy already involved. You you have a resonance with purity, integrity, ethics, ethical questioning. There are life you intellectually, morally, actively, but also fantastically, and 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 it's like allowing that dimension just to recognize that that dimension exists. Um, uh, yeah, in, in in all of that, yeah. And um, <clears throat> I forgot what the other thing I was going to say was. Um, it's gone. Um, oh, sorry, it's gone. Um, This also relates to emptiness and, and sort of like what does it mean to say something is empty? So climate change is empty. I I need to respond to it. Yeah. Not climate change is empty, therefore who cares? Uh, so if, if that's a response, I haven't understood emptiness. Um, so there's two ways of seeing all this. One is as image and one is in terms of the emptiness of things. And and they can come together, you know, very much. But but there's always with the emptiness path, which is a lot of what you're working on recently, it's like 
it's the middle way between existing and, and not existing, and we're always like just tipping one way or the other. Yeah. So it's it's not that. It's something about uh, you know the emptiness is right when there's there's um, there's this sense of not rarefying, not contracting some something, and not um, the self not contracting in response to it, but still a response, and still the response of care and compassion and embodiment, etc. And that's the middle way. We call the middle way. Yeah. And there was something else that just seems to have gone. I know it was something to do with divinity, but I'm just a bit tired now, so I'm not sure. But maybe it'll come back. How does that sound right now? Does that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's all. I all kind of fits. I, was, I still kind of have a question about that, that sort of connecting some of the material on the retreat. Yeah. Um, from that perspective of um, somebody with a fantasy of interpreting the truth. But can you say what more? What the what the problem of connection is? It. Is I don't know. No, I'll um, take it. Just take it. Few seconds, if it comes, at least. Well, I mean, also something I was saying to Catherine as well about that kind of being very, very moved by the the, the mantra. Mm. But then it's like, no, you can't have that. Why? Because of um, a kind of Christian past with the sense of truth. And that was true, yeah, 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 yeah. So you can't have. Um, so I can't. I can't have it because yeah. it's not true. It's not true. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this this is really crucial. And uh, someone else wrote a note today. And this, this I think, is is the hardest thing for some people. Okay. Um, if it's not true, I don't value it. Um, some people don't struggle with that. Okay. Interestingly, um, but 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 many people will. So this is this is. Why I keep saying there's, there's such a sort of radical basis, at least in the way that Catherine and I would like to present these teachings, which, which is like not on a realist basis. And, and that's really rare. It's rare for someone to really be able to hold that perspective. It's extremely rare. It's extremely rare in teachings anyway. But it, it, for a practitioner to actually be able to hold that, that basis, that way of looking at things, because we tend to go, either it exists or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, not worth it. So some people, um, some people don't have such a problem with that because um, they're kind of they're more able to enter into a sort of poetic or artistic mode of, of, of sensibility and of relationship with things in life. And um, it might have been in that talk that you guys listened to the other day. It's like, you know, how much art can move us? And we know it's not real. And so what's going on there? You know, um, it touches so deeply and stirs so deeply, and stirs us to movement so deeply sometimes, and sometimes ethical action, nothing was re- real there. Um, so, so there's a kind of, one, one way into all this in, this, in this balance between true, not true, real, is, is just through the artistic, the artistic relationship with things, the poetic relationship with this thing, with, with everything, actually, with life. So life becomes art, life becomes poetry, um, more and more, or in places, or whatever. A second possibility is um, is the whole emptiness thing, you know, which which you're working on. But it takes a while for that to go really deep, um, so that this either existing or doesn't existing is really is really un- understood, and it's really becomes a place that's a perspective that's alive and and kind of unshakable and and real, you know. So so one answer would just be more emptiness practice. You know? um, and I'm not saying that glibly, because, because I realize how, how rare it is to actually hold, hold that perspective. So what you hear a lot in different, whether it's in Dharma or other Dharma, is like, 
yes, 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 it's all empty, but then going back to talking as if everything's real, or as if this or that particular is real. It's almost like we forget, we forget the emptiness, so we're just kind of paying lip service to this middle way emptiness thing. Um, I'm, we are quite interested in, in putting it right at the basis, but also realizing that's hard. Some people just can put it there, and some people it's coming from philosophy, uh, you know, modern Western philosophy, and some people it's coming from the emptiness, and some people it's coming from the artistic thing. Um, usually hiding wrapped up in that question that you're asking is, is um, something is real. Okay? So, so this business of it's not true, um, I can say, yes, yes, I understand, everything's empty, therefore, therefore I can't trust that, therefore this divine is a, is a bunch of rubbish, and it, or it's not trustworthy, it's not real, I can't kind of go, I can't kind of let it have its power because it's not real. Um, and the same with meaningfulness. So, in you know, this it, a lot in our lives these days, it's, uh, people say, well, life has no meaning, the cosmos has no meaning, your life has no meaning, you're free to make up a meaning, but ultimately, it's just made up. And so, underneath this kind of creation of one's, the meaning of one's life and meaningfulness, is actually a, a, a vague thought that the actual truth is meaninglessness. It's a kind of nihilism. So, Again, in, in this, I can't believe that. It's because I believe something is real. And I might not... It's, it's interesting, what a, a, then actually do I think is real? Not even... Uh, it's like almost subliminal, yeah? As long as there's something that's real, the non-real will be less than in relationship to it. You understand? Once you get to the point where everything's not real, everything, 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 then there might be like... Ugh. But then it's still, it's still hiding there. This, this belief in some kind of reality. If the reality is meaninglessness, or the reality is matter, or the reality is w- whatever it is. You know? um, once that's all gone, then it frees, up, frees everything up. And it, it, not into nihilism, not into meaninglessness, but into, I, I would say, into the possibilities of divinity, the possibilities of, of re-enchantment, without any sense of less than. In the end, if we talk about the emptiness, all we have are ways of looking. That's what that's what's saying. There's nothing but ways of looking. There's not a reality which, yeah, I can look at it this way and I can look at it that way. But really, it's it's a certain thing, whatever it is. There's not the certain thing. There's the ways of looking. They're empty too. And all once you realize there's nothing but ways of looking, that frees up the whole thing and frees it out of this duality of real, not real, better than, not better than, valuable, not valuable, higher, lower. Do, do, do you understand? Yeah, until then. <laughs> <laughs> until when? <laughs> what do you mean? Until seeing the emptiness of emptiness. How to proceed? How to proceed? As you are, you're doing the practice. Andy's working a lot on emptiness practice, and you're doing you're doing the right thing. It's but it's like we talked in the interview the other day. You know, there's certain places where. Um, the tendency comes in to believe this, this or that is real. Certain things which you can see are not real. What happens as one goes deeper into emptiness is, is just that range expands. Um, both the range of what we really know is empty and fabricated expands, and the conviction. And so at some point, it's just, it just, it just know it. And, and as you said the other day, when, when the gun is against the head, actually, no, I know, I know this is empty. Life, death, all of it. Um, so, so there's, there's, there's the expansion of the range and the conviction that comes. 
And none of that takes away, for, for me, none of that takes away from the beauty of, of the, the, the heart's and the soul's resonance with, with integrity, with truthfulness, with dedication, with honesty. So if it does, something's wrong. Something's out of balance with the understanding of emptiness or the way I'm holding all, all this. Yeah. So that's your, that's our our kind of um, uh, again indicator or, or or compass or or barometer. If I lose the care, if I lose the passion, and something's off in in the way I'm understanding emptiness or something, it needs more deep, deeper, more understanding or filling out. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um. It's also kind of a question about ethics. Ethics, yeah. Yeah, I have this preoccupation that my um, sense of what is soul making isn't reliable, that the conditioned, habituated mind yeah. tells me something is soul making. Almost like a false friend or a near enemy yeah. because I want to let myself off the hook because <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> deal with people's suffering. Uh-huh. So on Tuesday night I went to um, a talk about fast fashion and sweatshop later. Uh-huh. And then I went home and I watched some Saturday Night Live sketches. Uh-huh. And I felt this expansion and this freedom and the divine comedy and the beauty of people like Chris Rock and Will Ferrell. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> great, great comedian. And, um, and I thought, where is my compassion for these? trade unionists that have told me all these stories and in this moment my ability to connect to that suffering is diminished and this sense of divine comedy I wondered you know is this really soul making you know when you were talking about how you watch this tv show you knew it wasn't nourishing yeah it's easy for me to know what isn't soul making but sometimes I get seduced by something I think that presents itself <coughs> uh-huh. So do you have, without going too much into a materialist or scientific perspective, you know, what's your diagnostic, diagnostic criteria for what's soul making? Would you say, is it Vedana? Is it the energy body expanding? Is it intuition? What is soul making for you? I mean, b- before I answer that, I, I just, uh, so I'm a little, there was no connection between the comedy show and the sweatshop. No, so the sweatshop video came first, and I felt completely compelled and called to to action, yeah. to participate. Uh-huh. And then when I went home... Oh, okay. I uh, okay. So, so what I would say about that, really, is I would draw attention to the plurality of our souls. In other words, both are soul-making. Um, but oftentimes we have, we have um, if you like, uh, divinities within us, or archetypes within us, that don't exist at the same time. Or that... Um, uh, they move between each other, or th- or that they battle each other. Even they're contradictory, um, or or at times they they don't gel, but other times they might gel. So there might be some way where divine comedy and ethical action co- come together. You know, um, not that that's better or worse. What I, what I really want to emphasise more is is the the um, not just the multidimensionality, but the plurality of of. Um, of archetypal characters of soul voices and directions within each of us. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Now, some people have a, a lot, or the different periods of life, or whatever. But both of those might be soul making. Now they feel different. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, both of them involve um, will, will will activate the energy body and the heart. 
and um, the resonances and the meaningfulness and the sense of dimensionality, all that, all these are characteristics of soul making. How do I navigate with all of that? Not not any one of them, but all of them is is and and comes alive imaginally. So even just divine comedy is already an imaginal term. You know, I don't know if these guys were talking in terms of were they using that language. The comedians. Yeah. No, no yeah. exactly. So, so yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's your Im- imaginal filling out. It's it's come alive as soul for you through that. There's a vague ideation there that's part of the image. You understand? Well, the same thing with the, with the sweatshop and the ethical action. Back to Andy's question. It's like the self is imaged and fantasized in relation to this. The heart is involved. The energy body is involved. The vision of what's going on. It's so that they're both imaginally alive. You know, even if you were a full-time sweatshop activist uh, per- person, heavens, you'd need some time just turning that off and turning on the comedy guys. You know, you need that's just practical, like taking resources. So, careful of, um, uh, I don't say monistic thinking, but sing- single tracked. You know, you're multiple, you're complex. Soul is multiple, complex, alive in different ways, and they don't always kind of seem like they would fit together, but they are. So hold different possibilities and trust that you'll retain yeah. openness to other suffering. Yeah, I mean, y- you'll get the feel. See, if I'm here, there's a suffering and I'm touched, and actually I, I don't want to deal with it. It's too painful for me. I turn on the TV, ah, yeah, great. Where's the popcorn, the chocolate, the beer? What am I doing? I'm numbing out. That won't feel soul-making to me. But, you, you know, if the thing is soul-making, it's something you enter into, you come back to. It's not, that one's not going to die because I enjoy a bit of divine comedy, you, you know. So it's like you can trust that things have this ebb and flow. They come, they knock on your door. The, the, you know, the, the, the characters of the soul knock on your door and they, are, and they demand of something. Sometimes it's like right now. Sometimes it needs action in the life. Sometimes it's a more internal reverence that needs to happen. And sometimes it's just, these are threads that come, it's like surfacing and going back down again, surfacing this, this soul uh, <coughs> creature is, is coming up. It will come up again. Do you, you understand? Yeah. So I don't, I don't think, at all, it doesn't sound like there's any contradiction there mm-hmm. to me. It's more thinking about the richness of, of the soul, you know, and the multiplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Does, yeah? Yeah, it's clear. Okay, good. Um, please present. Yeah. Um, I quite like Kathleen's report on this one as well, if not great, Kathleen. Um, so, I think I'm working with three images, and for me, it kind of links into what the person before me was just saying. It's like it brings up a different quality of the divinity, um, which I'm kind of viewing through the diamond approach idea of different facets of my word, but of nature. And I don't know whether I'm kind of making up my own sick version of the five things that you talked about after lunch, like the way that I'm trying to do this. So the image comes in and I will sense the impact on my energy body. Um, and what I want to do is to, to, I don't know, to strength, to bring that part into my consciousness more. Mm-hmm. And... So I'm kind of stuck between if I do the first one on your list, which can lead to um, some added, mm-hmm. then it doesn't sound like that's a, that will just bring up a sense of well-being as opposed to the specific quality <coughs> of the divinity, let's say. 
if I, and I don't really understand the cosmopoesis in this way, but it kind of seems like I'm straddling the two. Because what I'm wanting is that quality of the deity, mm-hmm. um, or the nature or whatever that facet of it. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm a bit unsure how to proceed, because my ultimate intention is to be able to touch those qualities of Buddha nature to then hold my pain and suffering. Because it seems like they're antidotes, so the different qualities that are coming through, some are about strength, so that helps me when I want to kind of collapse. Others are about love, which helps me when I'm contracting and, and pushing away from stuff. So it's like I'm really noticing there's different qualities which are different antidotes and mm-hmm. emotions. And where does the cosmopoesis come in? Like, how does that? Well, I don't really get the cosmopoesis okay. yet, if I'm honest. Um, but for me, it feels like that's where the divinity aspect is. Okay. So, did, did you want Catherine's answer? Why don't you? Okay. Yeah. So. Take time. Okay. Or, or if I think of something. Okay. Um, so, th- but these these are these are big questions. So you know, a lot of this is might say one or two things out. We could speak a lot, you know, in response to this. So. Um, Uh, so just to start where you, where you ended, actually, for me, the divinity is involved in the, in the definition of the imaginal. Okay, so it's not particular to cosmopolis. It's like when we say imaginal, or when I say imaginal, when Catherine and I say imaginal, we already mean an implicit divinity there. So I can use the imagination and imagine, or imagine my friend, or imagine kindness, or all kinds of things. But there's no sense of divinity there. It's just it's just my imagination. But when we use the word imaginal, one of the things that it implies is a divinity. Okay. Now that that's in a way related to the rest of your set, uh, question, Chrissy. So I would um, I don't think there's any right and wrong here. So I absolutely, you know, I mean. Obviously, there's probably limits, but but generally speaking, in terms of how people relate to all this, so one way of using um, and conceiving of images and image work is is um, as you said, actually translating images to um, aspects of being or whatever in 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 a kind of re- running language. But then then what's happening is I'm I'm making the image subordinate to something else. The image is, in, in two senses, the image is subordinate to something called being that has a kind of, actually, uh, almost monotheistic. It's one thing of which there are different aspects, and those different aspects might manifest as this or that image. And secondly, um, <coughs> I'm using the image to serve my growth, as, as you said. Yeah? Fantastic, beautiful, absolutely wonderful is one option. There's another option, both in conception and approach, that has to do with um, saying image is primary. It's not just a manifestation of, of this or that aspect of being. It's, it is in itself primary. It's not something I can say, that image represents my compassion, that image represents my power, that image, you know. Um, and, and the relationship with the image is more that I am serving the image. The image is not serving me or even my growth. Now, that's that's one option, and there's, there's a spectrum here. It's not like black or white. But um, so, in a way, when we when we relate to image and imagination, you can kind of decide where, how am I conceiving of this, and how am I relating to it? And they're both they're both good, but they'll be di- they'll be different. Um, does this make sense so far? So. Um, 
uh, when if we relate the, the first way in terms of they are aspects of being and I'm, I'm using them to develop my compassion, develop these qualities, then that's absolutely beautiful and fine. It, it will be different. But if you're doing that, then to, to the nuts and bolts of your question, you know, then yeah, let's say there's an image of love or an image of power, e- either one. And just, just being with that image, I, my being comes into harmony with that. Part of the harmonize and through the harmonization, I start my being resonates with that. It vibrates in sympathy and I am gathering those qualities. They, they come into the fabric of my being and they get stronger in me. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. Now, exactly where I lean um, in, in terms of I can stay with the image and feel those resonances and feel a degree of well-being and harmony and they're all kind of mixed and, and just trust that the harmonization and the, the gathering of those qualities is happening through that. Yeah. Other times I can lean more into the samadhi, but the samadhi has a lot of that quality in it. So the character of the samadhi has well-being, but also feels like powerful, for instance. I'm, I'm gathering that quality. Or it feels like there's the samadhi there, the well-being, but it feels soft and compassionate. I'm gathering that quality. So it's kind of like how much we keep the image around, um, and how much we let it fade just into the felt sense of the quality. Do you, do you understand? So, so the image can still be there, and I'm still resonating with the quality, or I can let the image fade and go completely into the quality. It, it, it'll work both ways. Does all this make sense? Um, so it's a. I'm partly saying the whole answer just for everyone to to make it consider. There, so there's that way of working. It's absolutely beautiful, and it, and it's working for you. It's absolutely working, and. Um, as I said, there's a spectrum of how we conceive of what the word imaginal means and how we relate to it and what the relationship of the self and the path with the imaginal is. And, and kind of each, one, each person has to decide, you know, at what point in their life they're where on that spectrum. It's not right or wrong, but they, but they will be different. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah? So to me it sounds like... And, and then the cosmopoetis, just to clarify, is is when... Or the way we're using it is when an image comes alive, it could be any, let's say, Tara or, or the image comes alive, there's all that resonance, there's the energy body, there's the soulfulness, there's the qualities there. And somehow, in lingering with that image and tasting all that and letting it resonate, then I open my eyes, open my ears, and I, and I feel that the image quality spreads to the world, to the cosmos. And, and, and it's almost as if that quality of Tara is somehow everywhere. But it's a very particular quality. It's Tara as I've just seen and sensed her. So that's what the cosmopoiesis means. It means a spreading out of the, of the particular of the image. Um, but just again to say, so, so for you this sounds so wonderful. It's working brilliantly. Go for it. And, and also be aware that there are other ways of relating to the whole imaginal thing, which may or may not you know, interest you at a certain point. Um, but probably on, on this retreat, which we're emphasizing more, so it might sound like, oh, it's a bit different from, from yeah, but absolutely fantastic, and go for it. Does it? Yeah, yeah, that, it feels like I've had it the other way around. Yeah, yeah, um, but I really want to say there's no right and wrong, and it's like, what, what's needed right now? And you, For me, it was really, really important. Exactly, and so I want to say trust that, um, and, um, and, and, you know, let, let, let's see, because it's wonderful, it's absolutely wonderful, yeah? Great. Yes. Good. Good. Um, should we end now? Is, that, or is there something else? That How are you? 
How am I? I'm I'm very well. I'm right. I'm a little tired, but I'm 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 better than I've been in in quite a while. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Thank you. So let's um let's just have a bit of quiet together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.